Welcome to the Mere and Powerful Podcast, where we believe in going far by going together. Welcome to the Mere and Powerful Podcast. My name is Rebecca Pape, co-founder of Mere. In today's episode, Sarah Buchanan Sasson joins us, traveling all the way from her home base of Atlanta. Sarah is a friend of mine and is also the founder and executive director of Kula, a nonprofit working with entrepreneurs in Rwanda to eradicate poverty. Mir and Kula initially partnered earlier this year to support the operations of one of their women's centers. And in September, our creative team traveled there and put together a video that we hope you'll watch in advance for context. Head to mir.com slash Kula for that. That's K-U-L-A. Regardless, as a listener, you'll get to know Sarah and her heart for the work Kula is pursuing. We also talk about perceived failures, female leadership, and much more. Please enjoy our conversation with this inspirational leader of a woman, Sarah Buchanan Sasson. All right, welcome to another Mere and Powerful podcast. I am Rebecca Pape, here with my husband, Brian Pape. Hello, you, everyone. You might know him as the CEO and founder of the company. Some might say that. But I am kind of running the show today because our guest is Sarah Buchanan Sasson from Kula. Hi, Sarah. Hi. And Sarah and I are practically besties. Yep. We met in Rwanda in September. Mir traveled there to kind of come to better understand Kula's work in Rwanda. And um, it was love at first sight at the airport. You look so cute (laughs) in your sweats and glasses coming out of the terminal. Oh man, I was so tired. That was that's such a long deal. Didn't you go straight to a wedding? No, that was not quite the next day. We went straight to the hotel, but Brian left his wallet in the taxi. And so that was but that was like kind of the best thing that could have happened because we were like, Look, Rwanda's so safe. A random person found your wallet at the airport and our staff took you, so it was like we got you from here. So it was kind of the best case scenario. Yeah. 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 Capital city, Kigali. Yeah. I mean, you lose your wallet in New York city. You don't lose it. It gets stolen. It's it's gone forever. (laughs) And yeah, he got it back that night. Yeah. Um, So more about that trip to come, but over the course of the 10 days that we spent together, I learned so much about you and I actually like jotted these things down while we were there. Oh, I didn't know what's happening. And a couple days ago I reviewed them again and I just can't wait to, um, this is sort of a way for Brian to get to know you faster. Um, Yeah, we just met. Here in this recording. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so you are a twin. I'm a twin. You have a sister. Yes. I can't remember her name. Ashley. Ashley. Okay. And she makes um, custom jewelry for a living. She's an artist in her own right. Yeah. Ashley Buchanan Jewelry. So cool. But we're like the best version of adult twins. Like they lived in my house. Her and her husband lived with us for three years and now they bought the house in our backyard. So we walk through our backyard to get to their backyard. Our dogs are best friends. They like run back and forth from the houses. It's ridiculous. It's amazing. Wow. And she is about to have a baby in yeah. a month or two? We Yeah. So we're trying to keep the baby in there for a little bit. Um, but she's due December 27th. December 6th is our, like, fight yeah. to get there. Yeah. We were, our mantra is, see you in December. Yeah. Oh, that's right. See that's you right. in December. You did tell yeah. me that. Yeah. Um, you have a love for animals. Yes. But as much as you love animals, I think you are equally afraid of frogs. Yeah. Right? I have an irrational fear of frogs. And I feel like it has to be some, like, suppressed trauma or something (laughs) in my life that I... I, Snakes, I'm fine. Really? There was a 
14 foot python on our farm in Swaziland once and I was fine. Isn't that Tarantula in our boot, fine. How could you be fine? Fine. Oh, snakes. Not but down with snakes. Frogs, snakes. totally fine. I know. Frog, it's like a frog hops. Like I would just bolt out with my headphones. Oh, we were. Uh, Did you see one this time around? Is that how it came up? Or maybe you just shared with us? When we had the flat tire on the safari park, I was like, there was a oh, jumping spider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, and I was you're, like fine. you're fine. You're like, it's, it's not fine. a frog. I'm cool. Yeah. And I said, if a frog comes, I'll be on yeah. top of the truck. <laughs> I'm out of here. Yeah. We were on a recent trip and there was a frog that came out of the shower faucet. I wouldn't shower the rest of the time. <laughs> and it was like cliff hanging <laughs> off the edge of the, sh yeah, our daughter thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, in, in no particular order, you have been a farmer, mm -hmm. you've been a bartender, and you are currently a photographer, a great photographer. As a hobby. As a, okay, as a yeah. hobby, as a hobby. Yeah. You could pursue it if you wanted to, but you're doing bigger and better things. Yeah. I when I, I went through like a period of burnout and my husband was like, you have to have a hobby that isn't Kula. And I, my first major in college, I had many majors in college and my first one was photography. And I was like, I should pick up a camera again. I get to be in the most beautiful places on earth all the time. And I should take photos. And yeah. so, and all my friends are photographers. So I just buy their equipment when they upgrade. So I get the good stuff. I don't have to pay uh, the so crazy expensive prices. When I don't get paid for it, it's hard to justify. Yeah. Are you friends with okay. Esther Havens and Austin Mann? We, I, so Esther and I, I don't know Austin, okay. but I know Esther. Yeah, yeah. And she, she was in Rwanda for a few months this summer. And yeah. She has, we talk more on social than we do in real life. But oh, cool. Good people. Yeah. I like Austin. He, he and our homies. Anyway, so you I were So you were photography before pre-law. Oh, I was like. You, lots of things? Yeah. Okay. It took pre -med. a while. No, not pre-med, but I. My longest major was high school history education. I wanted to be a high school history teacher because of my high school history teacher, Mr. Miller. And then... Mr. Miller. Yeah. And then Shout I, out to Mr. Miller. I, <laughs> <laughs> I even... Like, I got really far. I was, like, doing the day studies in his class, observing and stuff. And then I decided I wanted to make money. <laughs> so you wanted <laughs> a nonprofit? No, I was... That was when... <laughs> so then I went into pre-law... Oh. And then it's where all the monies are. Yeah. And then after traveling to Kenya, which was inspired by hearing an African children's, children's choir mm -hmm. sing. Yeah. So after I, your trip to Kenya, you were like, okay, I got to switch wait. this So up. you went to Kenya based on hearing a choir. Mm -hmm. So I had never been to the country before. I didn't have a passport. I reluctantly, or I would say I was more like coerced into going to Catalyst, you know, Catalyst yeah, yeah. conference. I had ran away from faith for a long time. And I, my set that asked me to go, I did not want to go, but he had done so much for our family. I was like, fine, I'll go. But I picked up a shift that night so I could at least have a, an excuse to bail early. And then it opened with the Diraja Children's Choir and it like, I started crying. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> and I went home that day and I signed up to go to Kenya. And when I told my family, they laughed. Cause yeah, didn't you tell your mom and dad, you're like, I need a passport. Yeah, I was like, I got to make an appointment to, to get a passport. And then I tried to bail at the last minute because I wasn't, I couldn't do it. And then the, the woman, Jennifer, of the organization, she wouldn't let me bail. And I went, but it's funny because the first time I went, I hated it. I was outside of my comfort zone in every area. I was super picky eater. So I had like white rice and watermelon the entire time. And I didn't have a role with it. I was with a dentist and that was the only time I can go because college spring break. 
and I didn't have, so I was just kind of, I like to have a task and to be able to be doing something. And so I got home and my family was at the airport with like balloons and flowers and now I can't even get a ride to the airport. <laughs> and they were like greeting me and I cried. I was like, I'm never going back. And then a year later, um, the whole team was going back at the same time to the same place. And I was like, I can't go. I don't have the money. I fundraised for it the first time. I don't have the, I can't do it again. And then I got an email and they were like, your trip's been anonymously paid for. And I was like, oh, <laughs> now I have to go. Like, Did you ever go? find out who it was? Yeah, I knew who it was. Okay. Okay. And, um, but he was like one of those guys that would never, like, we never talked about it. He d- didn't want me to bring it up. Yeah. Um, and that trip was the one, cause we went to the same place and it was like a year later and I was like, man, these ladies are doing everything they can fighting for their families in every way, but they will never succeed because the world is not designed for them to. Hmm. And so I switched my major again. Um, well, I stayed within political science, but they had a focus on international development and African politics within political science. And so I added a year and a half to my already (laughs) extended (laughs) her long educational (laughs) career (laughs) but I loved college I was good at it and I my personality I like to be doing things that I'm good at and but I finally finished and yeah okay a couple more things on get to know you and then we'll get back to all things Africa um well you got married on safari and that was in Kenya yeah we Tell eloped. us a l- like a little oh. bit about that. I it mean, I know it was so amazing, perfect. but it, we um, we have been together for seven years, and we started Kula together. But around 2014, we started in 2012. In 2014, we had very different leadership styles. We weren't defining roles very well, and so it was really taking a toll on our relationship. So he stepped out of Kula, but um, and then so our relationship took a long time to heal from that. And so finally, he was coming to Rwanda. He hadn't been in like three years. He was coming back to open the Liddy Center. And I said, I was like, hey, you're coming to Rwanda. We're going to Kenya. Let's get married on safari. And he goes, yeah, okay. And I was like, wait, (laughs) what? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So my sister made our wedding bands and... So there wasn't really a proposal other other than what you just described. I proposed. You yeah, proposed yeah, to him. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> Which when he listens to this, he's gonna be like. Mm. Um, so you founded Kula before you were married. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so we were on safari, and we were like, let's just go at. They do sundowners in Kenya. Well, a lot of places in Africa, but um, you just go out and you find a spot in the Mara to watch the sunset and have like gin and tonics. And we were like, let's just go. How delightful. I know. <laughs> it's so amazing. We just watch our kids run around the house while we drink gin and tonics. <laughs> it's true. But also our wedding was not nearly as cool as this one. <laughs> we, it was like, I have no, there's nothing, I have no humility in talking about it. It was like <laughs> the perfect. And so, but our friends, we had like five friends and it was perfect because one of them's a photographer, one of them's a videographer, one of them has performed like 38 weddings. <laughs> you put them all to work. Yeah. You're and like, so, yeah. So our board chair married us and Bobby Neptune, our photographer, he knew the people that ran the safari camp. And so we thought we were just going to get out at a beautiful spot. And he had this whole thing planned for us that we didn't know. And so... But it started raining, but I couldn't complain about it because they were in a drought. So I can't be like, <laughs> could it just have waited a day? Yeah, Come on. Totally. Yeah. 
But so we're so they took they were setting up this whole thing we didn't know about, and so we're driving out there, and we see elephants, which is amazing. But I'm like trying to get married, you know, and. <laughs> But I didn't know we were waiting, and so Bobby was, like, going over all these, like, different nuances about how they take grass off the ground with their foot, how they slice it with their foot. And I'm like, what are you doing to me? (laughs) I'm so nervous. And then when we pull up, the Messiah guys that we had kind of gotten to know were all there, and they had lanterns around this perfect, like, lone acacia tree. And I swear to God, the clouds parted. I'll show you the photo. And the sun was shining, like, stopped raining and was signing just on our tree and we i was standing on something and i was like what is this and it was a zebra vertebrae and then we had to leave and then so afterwards they brought champagne for us and then all of a sudden we had to like run and jump in the truck because there were two male lions that were coming at the end of the day like looking for their pride and the whole time i was just like whose wedding ends in wild <laughs> lions we gotta wrap this up there's some lions coming through That's yeah. so perfect and so and then we went and had dinner afterwards and then we went to the kenyan coast lamu um this beautiful house and for like three days after the wedding it's and so amazing and so all the, my friends who are getting married still i don't have many who are still doing that but they it's like you should elope yeah, I'm telling you, elopement. I would hope I never have to redo it, but I, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like it was so perfect. It was no stress. It was so beautiful. We got to be with each other and nobody else. Yeah, sometimes we look back and wish that we would have eloped. Yeah, we had a great party, but sorry, Phil, it cost a lot. <laughs> I know it was expensive. I mean, there were a lot of people. It was so. Most it was so don't so talk fun. To anymore. But yeah. yeah, it was right out of school, and so yeah. we invited a lot of college oh, friends that we like right. haven't seen since. Yeah, I think we talked about this. Um, okay, a couple more things here. I hope this isn't revealing too much about you to our audience, but you are a two on the Enneagram. Oh, so much. Wing three, right? Yeah. And Brian's a three, and I'm a one. Hardcore. So one, two, and three Hardcore are all three. we're all in the room. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm. The coolest side of me is when I'm in a healthy place is the three, but yeah. that's also that like need to succeed and drive. But the two is very unfortunate for me being a fundraiser because it's like you want to help other people. But then I read this thing. It was like you manip- manipulate people for good. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and so now when I'm at, when I'm in a fundraising meeting, I feel this need to like really try to be friends with them and know that I'm not just talking to them because I want their money, but I do need their money. And then so it's just this like inner tension that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it from that yeah. perspective, the fundraising piece. Yeah. yeah. When, you, when you did the Enneagram, did you delve into the thinking, acting, feeling portion of it? Yeah. But I can't remember. You seem I seem like so an I actor. Took... I mean, you, you saw, you heard a choir and you went straight to Africa. It seems like very action oriented versus thinking. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, but in my, I would, I'm a, I'm also a big feeler mm-hmm. and I, I act mm-hmm. on my feelings, which can sometimes get me into trouble. Yeah. Um, I just don't think that's my problem. Yeah. Oh, we're going to do that. Great. Okay. So mm-hmm. I do that. <laughs> so I, but that's why Nick, who is how we yeah. met, he's the one, like I was telling mm-hmm. you, took like a month to decide what shape, like our, our conference table was going to be in our Kigali office. <laughs> like, like just, You're like, just get a table. Just pick a table. Like I would have already had four by now because I would have gotten the wrong one the first three times because <laughs> I just get that one when I see it or when I think about it. Yeah. So that so we're a good balance in that way. But yeah, I feel and then act quickly, which 
I'm yeah, I don't even feel. To... I'm working on feelings with my three year old daughter. We're teaching her feelings and me at the same time. <laughs> yeah, we have a. You'll see it when you come yeah, over. We have, we have a wheel. feelings wheel. Yeah. You can identify your feeling. Yeah. So when Beck, when I am frustrated or Cece is frustrated, Beck pulls out the feeling sheet of paper. <laughs> well, talking yeah, we're working on it. Yeah. Uh, do you think you have a wing? Probably four. Yeah, but I can't remember what it is. Well, it can well, only f- be two or four. You can only be two or uh, four. I would say probably four because it's like the creative. Yeah. You kind of like retreat and, you know, I mean, you, I you do pursue places. activities where. Like, Which is kind of, nor- well, not abnormal, but a lot of people who are, I mean, it's kind of like left left brain, right brain. Mm-hmm. People who are like very numbers oriented and driven aren't creative. Yeah. And I'm weird in that way. Like I can You're both. drop straight into a spreadsheet and like look uh-huh. at cash flow and P&Ls and all that stuff and then go right back to like designing a product. That's very impressive. I yeah. cannot do that. It's and also incredibly frustrating. And twos are called helpers and. <laughs> I don't think you gravitate toward that naturally. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. No, I'm kidding. I could. I, could I help people way. to make myself look good. That's how vain I am. A three. Look yes. at me yeah. achieving. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Look at me yeah. achieving. Yeah, the enneagram is very humbling, <laughs> but it's also very enlightening. Okay, yeah, so Sarah. Okay, that's it for that piece. Yeah, that's what I know about you. That it's helpful, right? Very helpful. Yeah. We should talk to all our guests about the enneagram. Yeah, it's that'd so be kind of fun. fascinating. It's definitely, yeah. it's definitely trending. It is, but it really helped, like, it's helped me under, I used to be really hard on myself for being such a feeler and emotional, and then I realized, the more I learned about it, the more you can grow, you know, you're just like, okay. And recognize first. You're like, no, I'm responding this way because of this, but in reality, it is not that, and then here's how I can move forward in a healthier way. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, but even then relationally, like how I operate with my staff or my husband. Or anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so quick intro to Kula. We, Mir and Kula have put together a really awesome video that hopefully our listeners will watch. It's about eight minutes long. It talks a lot about what Kula is, does, its history, kind of where it's at now and how we've partnered together. But just like give us the, just the quick soundbite of what it is. Um, and, um, and we'll go from there. So you and your now husband, James, you founded it together mm-hmm. in 2012. Yeah, May of 2012. And you were not working in Rwanda initially. No, we weren't. Um, we started thinking like the more places you're in, the more legitimate you are, which is not true. Because uh, we couldn't do anything while well. we were in Jamaica, Swaziland, Kenya. We had some stuff in downtown Atlanta, which... So looking back, I'm like, I can't believe we're still around. <laughs> but your but your angle, but it, it was nonprofit work, and your angle was entrepreneurship, right? Right, or ish. So ish. my thing, I don't have that like one moment like yours. Not that I want to. Yeah, yeah, it break doesn't my feel good. Femur in a ski <laughs> accident, but that was like you can point to that moment. It's like this is when everything yeah. changed. Mine was this series of moments that broke me in different ways, I guess. And, and it was just over and over seeing women fighting with no insight for reasons completely outside of their mm-hmm. control. And, and so much of the developing world is their income is based on agriculture. I knew nothing about agriculture, but I thought that's how we could make the most impact. And we started working agriculture, but we started, the reason we founded Kula was because we wanted to be an organization that was led by the people whose lives you were supposed to change. Because I interned or worked at organizations and they had these very top-down approaches. When the programs failed, they blamed the people that 
they were supposed to help instead of bl- blaming the designers. That didn't even make the decisions right. to begin with. And it's yeah. like, and if you, people should have a say in how their lives are being changed. <laughs> <laughs> it seems pretty straightforward. And it does. Why? Like, why? It's, I, it's just ego. Arrogance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we think, and, and we had it. Like, why should James and I be te- teaching agriculture? Because we have Google and we can Google like new growing practices or read a research paper. We didn't know anything about agriculture mm-hmm. and that's why everything we did the first two years failed. <laughs> and so we were gonna, we were in Jamaica, we were sitting on this, I call them 4th of July chairs because I feel like they're at every 4th of July party, those white ones that almost always have the crack in the arm and so it like <laughs> breaks down and it like slices your arm and we were sitting in those chairs, one was broken. And I was like, I'm done. Like we've been going to, I had just sold my car to fund this project that failed before we even left. Usually we had like a month or two of maybe this one's going to (laughs) work and we can talk about this one. We were there and we ended up leaving early and it was terrible. And so we could already fundraise for a project in Kenya and we, we had to fulfill that. So that was going to be our last one. And I studied a lot about the Rwandan genocide in college. And I thought I probably will never be back on this continent. It was a 50-minute flight. And you were so in I, Kenya at the time. Mm-hmm. And so we went to Rwanda for three days. And when we got there, it was that same feeling when I saw the choir. It was like, things aren't working because you're not where you're supposed to be. So we closed everything, and then we went to Rwanda for two months and just listened to people. We were hooked up with a coffee company, and that's how we got into coffee. Mm-hmm. But they all said the same thing that seemed so simple was, we need to grow more coffee, we need to grow better coffee, and we need a place to sell it. And I was like, I can figure that out because I'm not responsible for teaching any of it. You know, like we can hire Rwandan trainers and locals and and then we can all move forward. And so since then, we've been just in Rwanda and just in coffee communities. And you are, it was so amazing to watch you there because every single person you interacted with treated you like family. Yeah, that's how it is. And you at one point said, you know, when you leave, you feel homesick. Like in some ways that's, that's your home territory and I I don't know I I don't have anything to compare that to in my life I mean I've grown up in Seattle the Seattle area and you know lived here and just kind of invested in my own community here for you know 30 plus years and I don't know I was just so struck by that that they just immediately welcomed you in and well I think that's because we this sounds so obvious but it's not it's we treat people as equals i never go in there like the westerner coming to tell you how to change your behavior and how to do these certain things we listen to them we design programs together we change programs together they tell me when things aren't working we had a lady go visit one of our women's centers and i and she has been in the industry forever she is super smart and I was like, what was the best part about the day? And she goes, one of the ladies stood up and said what you guys weren't doing well. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm not. And she goes, I've never seen that happen. Because I've never seen somebody in a program stand up in front of visitors and the executive staff that were there and say, you guys aren't doing this the right way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's that when she explained it that way, I was like, that means everything to us because that's what we want. Because she knew it would be heard. Right. And and changed as a result. Yeah. That's so cool. You have been described in print as a phenomenal woman, 
and an exceptionally talented and creative female visionary. Knowing you, that rings true to me for, for you. But sometimes what matters most is how we see and perceive ourselves. So what do you think when you hear that about you and and what you've accomplished? I'm working on that. The visionary part, I know, because it's like I wish I could tone it down sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, you guys have that in common. Come over to the three pool. It's great. (laughs) I feel great about that quote. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But I think, so it's, building a nonprofit's hard. And I say that knowing it's harder for some people than me and it's much easier for some people than it has been for me. And so I just feel like it's such a struggle so often that hearing those words, I kind of laugh. <laughs> but I know, I mean, I know they're true. Like I, I, strive, I strive to be those things anyways. Yeah. But on the day-to-day, it's just such a hustle and a grind. And then you're like, am I a phony? Like, people think that. But you, I think that there's a balance there. I'm I'm working on it, but I, I think strive to be all those things. Yeah, I think you're so focused on the work. I don't know. I just think you're so in the right place that you just maybe don't slow down to recognize. We, yeah, and it's and we're working on that because it's hard to celebrate when there's so much it's more to do and there's so many more people and there's always more people, you know, you met them that my sister wants to join or this person can join. It's like, well, we only have room for this many because how many we have funding for. So after graduation, you celebrate for that two hours of graduation. And then afterwards you're like, how can we reach more people? Like mm-hmm. our, the, I was thinking about this, like, what is our pinnacle or my personal pinnacle of success? Mm-hmm. Like, for my brother, it was reaching the major leagues. And for our photographer, Bobby, he wants, like, a National Geographic spread. Like, I can't pinpoint mine because it's so bad because we work in a place that has so much need. And then say we reached everyone in Rwanda, then there are 25 million other coffee growers in the world that live in poverty. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And so it's like just chipping away and celebrating each one of those individuals as each one of them are worthy of all of this work. Yeah. We, I would say we as a company struggle with slowing down to celebrate as well. We've kind of been talking about that lately. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the challenge is that once you achieve something, you want to keep, like if you're an achiever or you like to accomplish things, then you want to go and do the next thing like really quickly. It's like, yeah, yeah, great. We did that on to the next thing. Like, we're celebrating granting a million dollars. I'm like, great, let's go do the next million. Right. You know, and it's like, we're actually taking time, having a party. Mm-hmm. I know. That's very <laughs> important. It's going to be so fun tomorrow yeah. night. Yeah. Well, what's, I, I don't, what is mission, what is Kula's mission statement or what is your like purpose? To eradicate poverty through the development of entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. we think that poverty isn't a lack of money, but it's lack of access. And, and not everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. And we use that word more generally, generally, but joining a business or having businesses to work and thrive in because we feel that the problems we're trying to solve have been solved places. It's just the access to those solutions that isn't equal. And like I, you know, we have co-working spaces and mentors and accelerators and all of endless amounts of things that we can become better leaders or better companies. And none of that exists in rural areas. And then for the value chain part of coffee, 
they have no control once they sell their coffee to a washing station. So how can we get them to see themselves as business owners who should have more of a say than poor coffee farmers that they'll be poor, their children will be poor. How can we get them to change that vision yeah. and see themselves as a player in the game? So for people who are listening who are not familiar with the coffee process, mm -hmm. why would somebody who's growing the coffee not actually make as much? So coffee growers, they coffee comes in a cherry. It looks just like a cherry. It's a fruit. It's a fruit. It's a fruit. <laughs> it's a fruit. The fruit actually has more caffeine than the bean. That's right. Um, and then they sell it to a coffee washing station. And at the washing station, it's the place where those cherries become the coffee that's eventually exported and roasted to various places around the world. But they most of the time have no ownership in the washing station, so they sell their coffee for cents. I mean, 10, 12 cents a kilo or 2.2 pounds they get for not, their coffee. Not to mention that they don't get to taste the end yes. product. They've never, so we're doing coffee tastings right now with our farmers and they hate it. Uh, like, oh, no kidding. They've never, they're like, it's so bitter. What is this bean water? Yeah, so they, um, so Nick, our director of programs was just saying, they're all asking for sugar. That's like, so funny. For more sugar in it. I did expect a coffee culture in Rwanda. Yeah. I kind of like you hear, you know, like Ethiopian. Ethiopia, birthplace of coffee. They have, you know, ceremonies around it. They carve time out of every day for it. They It brings yeah. people together. And I just sort of expected that. And that wasn't the case. No. And I think they're working on it. I was reading an article yesterday. Um, after the genocide, there were two washing stations in the entire country. Now there are 300. Mm. But they exported like 300,000 pounds of coffee total for the whole country right afterwards. And so I, so much, you know, it's only been 25 years and you just lost an entire generation of tradition and, mm -hmm. and it's coming back and where they are now, you, I mean, you were there, you would never know. It's the cleanest place I've ever been, safest place. They've and banned plastic bags. Yeah. As a, First as a country nation. to ban plastic bags, more women in government than any, government in the world which is probably why things probably are working so well yeah <laughs> um and they just take note everybody exactly plastic bags and women in charge <laughs> equals success <laughs> lack of plastic bags <laughs> right, right they they have done so many things move forward together and i feel like we'll start seeing so many of those things come back and they but when you're a coffee farmer they don't they see so many things happen to it after they sell it they have no say in the process and it never comes back so the government is even trying to encourage more local sales and we're doing like we're teaching them how to home roast coffee or that's more ethiopian style mm -hmm. but we'll we'll see yeah. so are the washing stations making more money than they should or like where's the yeah so the washing stations will sell the coffee and the more we're inside, the more you see that so many things that are claimed by a lot of things don't actually oh, yeah. take place. And Direct trade and yeah, fair trade. And I just like, oh, like when you see on it, yeah. or, but even funny things like at Choco, one of our partners, we got there and there was this new sign that says goats are friends, not food. And I said, what is that? And they're like, oh, we're trying to get Rainforest Alliance certification. And I like, come in. And then we go in and they're literally serving goat brochette. And I was like, <laughs> it's like so many things. And Rainforest is an incredible company. But they, it's just like, the more you're in it, the more you understand the levels of, mm, mm -hmm. I don't know about how this works. But mm -hmm. they, um, 
the washing stations will tell roasters that buy direct trade that this all goes back to the farmer and it usually stays within the management of the washing station and it's not so it's not actually going back to the farmer Mm -hmm. do you think blockchain will fix that i think it could i think and they just know like they just need to know and and being able to get that on like everybody has a cell phone yeah everybody has a cell phone yeah and so being able to see what their what who it was sold to and how much it was sold for when it was sold all of those things will empower them more and more to have a say and to kind of like unionize you know to where they can have power as a collective instead of just the four or five people that own the washing station or one person that owns the washing station. Well, and Kula just bought a washing station this year, right? Yes. So you yourselves can start to change. Totally. That. Yeah. We, we want to become like a model washing station of how we did it so we can start earning revenue. So we don't have to depend on donations as an organization, but also to show hopefully become a model for a coffee that you can treat people incredibly, but also earn money and do good at the same time. I love that sustainability piece. It's mm-hmm. like you're taking a dose of, of the medicine that you're well, dishing out. That's like where that arrogance comes in. It's like, we're trying to get all of these people not to depend on charity to survive. And that's our, that's exactly how we work. Right. We depend on other people's money to survive. Mm-hmm. And so we thought we need, we should, and as giving, you know, when we started GoFundMe didn't exist and, mm-hmm. and Facebook was like just becoming a big thing. And now weeding through the noise, we used to raise all of our money on social media. Now we raise not a lot on social because every other post is an ask from so-and-so had a terrible diagnosis was in a car wreck or it's my birthday i'm raising money for cancer research and you're just like we're over here in rwanda like think about us too and it's so it's like how could we start to earn our own money and give people to an opportunity to get involved in our story by buying the coffee and drinking the coffee instead of just having to give us 20 bucks yeah the other thing i really love about you guys is you hire Rwandans Mm -hmm. so you only have like two or including yourself like two or three American staff yeah the rest are Rwandan and they're incredible I don't know how you maybe they're all maybe all Rwandans are as just energetic and and go-getter as the staff members that we met but yes we're a staff of 22 and there are three Americans but our Rwandan staff is the reason that we have been so successful in the past several years and Nick gets a lot of credit for that. He hired most of them. But Fred, our director of operations, started four years ago as our translator. And he is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> went straight up. Yeah. And they, because they get to be a part of changing their country in ways that they might not have thought was possible before. And they take so much pride, of, pride in it and ownership. And they correct us when we're, culturally insensitive or we're saying things that won't work because we think they would work here that doesn't mean they would work there yeah and they've helped guide guide us through those situations at times but they're just i love them they're the hardest thing to leave when i leave Mm -hmm. yeah tell us about so you live in atlanta Mm -hmm. or outside of atlanta yeah just outside uh what's that like living there work is taking place elsewhere how you why why you've stayed how you manage that 
Yeah, it's been a, a dance, I'd say. Um, Nick lives there now, so I no longer wake up to like 3 a.m. WhatsApp emergencies. Yeah. Um, so I sleep a little bit better, but it, I used to be there a lot, and now I'm not. And now I just get to go and take people like you guys and kind of show our work off while they're doing all the hard work on the ground, which I, I wanted to live there for a while, and then I thought it, well, one, I'm the only fundraiser, so I couldn't, but... I think it's best that I don't and the change gets to take place with the Rwandans in Rwanda and I just get to support it from from the states and then I I mean I have the best of both worlds I think I get to have my life here and my family and then I get to go to Africa all the time yeah and then it stays it must stay the work itself really fresh for you when you go you know you don't become I don't know. And and maybe this doesn't happen for Nick, but you don't become desensitized to it because it's not in front of you every day. Yeah. Well, this was the first time that this past trip was the first time that it wasn't desensitized because normally I'm so stressed about everybody being happy and making sure things are done. But you guys were the <laughs> chillest group and our staff had prepared everything down to the minute. And because our work is not immediate, we don't get to dig not that digging wells is easy, but it's very instant gratification once it's done. Yeah. Our work, our fellowship is 15 months, and then coffee takes three years to produce. So it's like takes a really long time. But when we got to go into a cooperative that had formed out of our fellowship, and these ladies are now running their own business and getting contracts for school uniforms and police uniforms, I I'd never cry in front of our Rwandans because I don't know if the happy tears translate very well and I couldn't I was like I tried to say I'm so proud of you and I was just like Mm -hmm. then our staff is like freaking out that I'm upset and I'm like no it's pride it's happy tears but it was that was and I cried at breakfast the next morning telling you about it because it was the first time I had seen our work working yeah because it took so long to get there yeah and that was now I'm not desensitized to it before I was like yes seedling nursery seen him yeah, yeah coffee that's still not producing seen it yeah but now coffee's producing people are graduating starting businesses and the women that you just mentioned in particular they are now pursuing either tailoring or weaving mm-hmm. through the industry training that they received at the women's center right yeah and they're training women who didn't go through our fellowship how to do it too which is awesome yeah and are they making goods for the local communities or like yeah. the nation at large yeah like so even? isn't there a made in rwanda initiative yeah so president kagame rwanda's president just banned the importing of used clothes so Fantastic. charities would like send because yeah, yeah. you you'll see like ohio state t-shirts everywhere you'd see the team that didn't win the super bowl exactly yeah. that was yeah. Yeah, i remember being in liberia and being like they didn't win that Ah, oh, <laughs> I see what's going on here. Totally, because oh. they make them, and you're like, "Do I tell them? Do I not tell yeah. them?" No, no. <laughs> I just, I saw like a three year old once wearing a Crackers Whack shirt. Oh yeah, you you showed <laughs> me like, the photo, I think. <laughs> but he did that to encourage a, a textile industry in Rwanda, and so now made in Rwanda. You can tell they just rolled it out because everybody's saying made in Rwanda, made in Rwanda. But it's awesome because things are being made there. Before, people didn't want to learn tailoring because what was the point? You just buy pounds of clothes for super cheap. Right. right. Yeah. Or, but what's all of those clothes were being donated and they weren't being distributed. One guy would get them and then he would sell them. Yeah, yeah. And make yeah. all the money. And yeah, it's like Tom's shoes. St- yeah. I mean, wait, what? Uh, <laughs> coffee. Where were we? 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at my notes. Uh, I, so I have a question for you. So you go from, you're in Kenya, you're wrapping up because mm-hmm. you fundraised mm-hmm. and you just pop over to Rwanda mm-hmm. for a few days and then it ends into like a few months and then you've been doing this for like seven years. Mm-hmm. How did, how did, what was that like transition like where you're like, you know what, we're going to give it another shot or this idea that you had? When we got there, it was this, it's not time to give up yet. And I feel I just instinctually knew it, I think. And then I looked and then I saw such a possibility for success there. I thought, I, I mean, I went, I've gone through all this crap the past two years for nothing if we quit now. Yeah. And, and I think that so many times when it gets really hard, it's like, I can't quit now. Now it's when yeah, it's yeah. getting good. And but I think I saw so much potential for something that we could do in Rwanda. Yeah. What's your, what's your self-talk when you're like thinking about quitting? Now, well, a lot of it is, I can't, I've then all of this would be for nothing, mm-hmm. but now it's my staff are, I, it, sometimes it's kind of, it's a burden and I'm sure it's like, if I quit and I haven't put Kula in a place where Kula can survive without me, which I'm not sure that's the case, but I, in my mind it is, um, then all of those people who have taken jobs with us and other people because they believe in our work will be out of a job and their families will be out of school fees and rent and food and that keeps me going but also seeing finally now seeing what's actually happening and oh this is working and it's not all for nothing which is what I felt for a really long time when we are still trying to figure out our model when we were just doing coffee trees in the beginning it was taking three years and we we have um i posted a picture once to try to have like nonprofit transparency and it's a, it's one of my favorite photos but we had done a huge banana tree project where we planted thousands of banana trees as shade trees to protect the coffee from the sun and we were in this meeting and our photographer snapped the photo as they were telling us that all of the banana trees burned from the sun and they all died and you're just like oh <laughs> uh, like i I quit, you know, right. yeah, when you just want to be out. like, I quit and you can't. So that's interesting. I'm, well, it's, it's, it's fascinating because people are always, you know, asking like, how, like, when do you, when do you not quit? When do you quit? Like, what is that? When is that right time to quit? And I just, I, it's different for everybody, but what I've noticed is that for the people that succeed or not succeed, you know, failure can be looked at in different, many different ways, but for people who are starting something, the people that succeed and go on to actually achieve and, and do things uh, for their community or their business or whatever, it's, they just don't give up. Right. And it sounds really basic and it's really, really hard at the moment, but like, right. just don't give up. Yeah. You just don't quit. That's yeah. how you don't quit. Yeah. You take the best next step. And does it sort of feel like it's not an option or do you, do you make it not an option? I think mentally I do. I'm like, it's like yeah. quitting is not, an, not option. an option. And I think that's the difference when people are like, how does a business failure succeed? And you look at that moment where someone like finally throws in the towel for whatever reason, many valid, valid reasons ran out of money, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, there's a slight difference of people that succeed or continue to pursue their passion by not giving up. You know, they wait, you know, you hear, I mean, you hear countless stories of people who are like, I was down to the last dollar and then this random donor showed up or like, you know, there's just like moments. That's happened for us so many times, (laughs) so many times. But I also think it's this misconception for people when they're the people who quit everybody talks about how starting is the hardest part and i'm like no it isn't <laughs> no it starting ain't. is the easiest part in my mind like building things is the hardest like if starting was the easiest part 
I'd have like 50 different causes right now. I'd be I'd have like anti-poaching stuff, immigration stuff, saving the whales, like all of these things if starting was yeah. the easiest. But building is the hardest and I think going into that knowing somebody said um when the dust settles the bravery begins and i love that because when you first start everybody's like oh my gosh look at you saving the world you're so (laughs) wonderful and then you're like and that kind of keeps you going and then people like oh you're still doing that and you're like oh (laughs) this is so hard (laughs) oh totally well it's like i mean starting is easy ideas are easy i think it's that like in a parallel for product companies like everybody has his ideas you know when people mm-hmm. when people are like oh i had that idea first i'm like great An good idea for you like ideas are so so cheap right. and easy like everybody has ideas but can you execute on your ideas exactly. like can you can you execute on your idea or startup or whatever it is and yeah i, I was have i i have a friend in christy and we meet every couple weeks she started her work about the same time in kenya about the same budget same team size and so we can really just like complain to each other and we both understand what we were saying and one day she was said you know I thought all of these I would be known for all of these things but I never knew perseverance would be my story and I was like oh (laughs) reach oh my god I'm (laughs) writing that down and I was like I promise I'll give you credit but it's so true it's like you think you're going to be known for doing these amazing things and instead sometimes you're just known for not quitting yeah yeah that's probably a great outlet for you a good kind of companion to have oh yeah and it's really great because we're almost opposites like i will be cool is closing next month and she's like i just got a random three thousand dollar check and then (laughs) and then the next time she's like oh gosh i don't know what i'm gonna do and i'm like actually you're pretty good right now so it's really nice that we can yeah bounce back and and because especially you can feel so lonely being the leader and the one in charge and there's it's so hard because when people yeah, I told you what you're going through. And you're like, no, you don't, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And so to find people that really do actually know exactly what you're going through makes you feel a lot less lonely. Yeah. Doesn't Kula mean community? Mm -hmm. It means community in In Sanskrit. In Swahili, it means to eat. And then I've I've since found out it means a whole bunch of other things. All good. Thank God. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Like in Swedish, it's light. In Hawaii, or in Hawaiian, it's like open meadow. Wow, what a great word. I know. We have a thing for four-letter companies. I know. (laughs) I know. Um, What are the struggles of um, being a female in leadership? I I mean, in the South, it's particularly worse, I think. I was at a fundraiser, and I guess the guy didn't know that I was (laughs) like in charge. And he's staying there, and he's talking about the NBA, and he and it's like two guys and me, and he says, "Oh, sweet, we're we're talking about basketball." And I was like, first of all, I <laughs> played basketball I, my yeah. entire life, all through high school, and but you just get dismissed so much, or you know, I can't play the same game that my male founders can. You know, like taking big donors on a golf weekend or, you know, I or even just going out to drinks and and a lot of there's this thing and I don't know if it's up here, but it really is in the south of you shouldn't be like alone with a woman that's not your wife, even in public. Mm -hmm. And so I immediately don't get meetings because 
even in public yeah wow it's like hmm. so i'm punished because you are so afraid of and it's like also some social norm that yeah and it's it's like come on you we start and i also but i also feel like it helps me empathize with our ladies in rwanda like i cannot control the fact that i'm a woman they cannot control the fact that they were born in rwanda and that they are a woman and so you have to find other ways it's getting better and and now there's i feel like there is this shift i remember in high school it was like cool to say i just have more guy friends you know i just get along better with guys and that and now i feel like that's changing you're like i have these badass women who are my community and we support each other instead of intentionally taking each other down which we were doing still do some but not as much as we did even 10 years ago i think yeah what's it like for you interacting with women in leadership and are are you aware i mean certainly you faced a path of struggle throughout you know the lifetime of mir just in your own right but i don't know if you put it in in a perspective where realizing it could have been even harder for you if you were a, a woman i don't know how does that change like how you interact with i mean i think i was given a, an advantage by having three older sisters yeah who constantly reminded me that they're smarter than me so <laughs> and they i mean they kind of are they are let's be real smarter. uh so i think i was you know i my grandmother had a very strong personality mom strong personality so i think i had a bit of an advantage so i didn't grow up in a, i didn't grow up in a household or a culture where women were demeaned like women I had remember, their place yeah, yeah yeah i remember i remember sarah sarah was like not oh gosh what was sister, it one of, my, one of my sisters sorry yeah not you sarah other mm-hmm. sarah um also with an h um she he has a sister named rebecca too it's crazy it's very, um very and has a brother named ryan very confusing <laughs> and i have a sister named sarah <laughs> and you have a, yes well, lots of names we can take this offline we're not related <laughs> <laughs> um but uh gosh what was it it was school some something where like she didn't get x because she was a girl or a woman I, and i was just like i can't remember it was a sport or whatever i was being like so confused i was like wait that doesn't make any sense to me yeah because i saw her like going to stanford getting to, you know getting ahead and like getting all these degrees and so i never really had that bias or if i saw it i was like that's weird versus like i empathize for people who don't have that role model because then they're they're trying to get out of their own bias and i you know certainly i have my own biases um so i think i had a bit of an advantage to see very capable intelligent women in my family kind of model it for me um you know, and I, I wonder too, like, I think I think the Me Too movement has been fantastic, obviously, for an awareness piece. And yet the the conflict, the other, the flip side of it too, is that I also understand why men would not take a meeting with a woman one-on-one. Right. Because they're like, well, if I don't know this person, how do, can I trust that this person isn't going to go off and say that, like, this person did something inappropriate yeah. to me? And so I think that's the counterbalance of that, like, is really, really unfortunate for women is that the Me Too movement did in a lot of way raise awareness for things that shouldn't have happened mm-hmm. and yet it also i think now it's like packaged in fear. now it's packaged in of like oh i've got to bring so and so along or like i have to bring yeah my assistant along or i have to bring somebody else along into the conversation which then completely changes the dynamic of the conversation where you're trying to like pitch somebody for money or, or whatever the thing is right totally. so i can't even mm-hmm. the, and this is like i hope everybody hears me when i say this and it's not just a soundbite that's taken out but in in a similar way not equal similar <laughs> being young I also remember starting Mirror and people were like, oh, that's adorable, totally. you know? And yeah, it's, you were I, written off for you're that. You were written off. And I, can, and, I can only, and I remember how frustrating that was just by being young. So I can, I can only imagine how much 
more frustrated yeah, be to be young and female. Young and female <laughs> like, so what like, am I supposed to do? Sit around and wait to get older? What am I then... supposed to do? Sit around and become a man? Like, you I know, know what I mean? Like, mine was a matter of time. Yours is a matter of something that you're not going to change. Right. Um, so I, I, I have empathy there. And, you know, I think for any guy out there, I think the, the reality is you just, I would push back for people who are like, you can't have, you know, you can't be in a room with a, or in public with another woman. In it's public like, is what, so does, do right. people not trust you? Like, no, that's the thing. Is it's there like, a reason there's this? It's like, are you so afraid that you can't control yourself? And also, are you assuming I would let you? Yeah, like how arrogant is that? Yeah. <laughs> and I, th- it's just. I must all be threes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's frustrating because I didn't grow up thinking I couldn't do things because I was a girl. I wasn't raised that way. And I remember being surprised the first time I was treated differently for that when I got in this role. And I was like, wait, is that is it because I'm a woman? <laughs> and being surprised. And then I felt privileged and lucky to feel surprised in that because I hadn't mm, been yeah. through so many things that so many people had been through. What was that moment? Is it is it? It was the basketball thing. And, oh, the, yeah. and he didn't take me serious. And I was like, I, I'm actually the founder of Kula. And he was like, oh. I'm so sorry. And I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. And I did, <laughs> was like, you know what? We're probably, not, we don't have the same value systems here. And cause you have to pick your battles. Like, and I also think for me being a feeler, it's like, what am I willing to take on? Like, this has to be my cause. I, I can't fight everything. And that's really hard for me. Um, but I think it's changing, I feel. and But also now these groups are coming up to where I don't have to. It's not just men with money now. Yeah. Now there are funding groups with all women, and I can go to women and not have to even deal with it. Hopefully it won't have to be a thing that you don't have to deal with. But Yeah. I know. I hope, I hope it's getting better. I hope it's all headed in the right direction. I think it is. I mean, it hasn't gotten worse. It's definitely going the right direction from seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's causing friction, you know, yeah. in the society of people that don't like it headed this way and people who have realized that it's headed in a better direction. Yeah. I think. I mean, it's certainly when I having a daughter, I'm like, and a son, to just think that, like, my son will have more opportunity because he's a dude. I'm like, right. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> you <laughs> had no say in the matter. Yeah. Yeah. How crazy is that? We're going to take a quick break to talk about a friend or family member you may have, the particular coffee drinker. This is the person who turns their nose up at diner or drive through coffee. It's the person who buys the gadgets and widgets to fine-tune their coffee making at home. You probably know someone like this, and you've probably rolled your eyes at them. You know the holidays are right around the corner. What you may not know is we recently launched our award-winning flat-pack dripper called the Porigami. Here's what it is. It's essentially comprised of three identical stainless steel panels that interlock to create a single cup pour-over device. With hot water and coffee grounds on hand and your favorite mirror cup, the porigami can be used anytime, any place. It also comes with a storage case that holds filters as well. I've actually used it mid-flight and enjoyed it very much. So this will satisfy that particular friend of yours. Also equally impressive is our coffee canister, a coffee storage solution with an innovative seal that keeps coffee fresh by eliminating its exposure to oxygen. It holds a 12-ounce bag of coffee and can easily travel or stay put on your kitchen counter. Both of these items can be found online at mirror.com starting at $29.95. 
And for those of you who have made it through this entire commercial, we're throwing out an exclusive offer. Use discount code podcast at checkout to get 20% off your order. Okay, back to our conversation with Sarah. Fundraising. Okay. So. (laughs) Fundraising, everybody. I love your mission of business solves problems, not charity. Mm -hmm. How do you reconcile? You talked a little bit about it. How do you reconcile being a nonprofit and like saying that? Yeah. Yeah. We're and trying, what's to solve? Because I know you have a solution that you're working right. on, which is super sweet. Yeah, we're trying. It took us a long time to get. It took failing at charity a lot to be like, this isn't what's working. <laughs> this isn't going to work. There are cases, of course, famine, floods, disaster, war. There are things like people in Yemen do not need me to teach them how to start a business. You know, they need food and to for the war to end. Yeah. Um, so there are places for charity. I feel like in development, it's doing business the way it should be done and making those opportunities equal and accessible. And for us, a few, about, I would say, two years ago, my husband has been saying, we need to sell something since day one. My pushback was, sell what? (laughs) (laughs) We weren't working in coffee. You got to have a market. Yeah, we weren't working in coffee right away. And then as we were pretty solidified in coffee communities, I was still like, fundraising isn't working anymore. I can't live like this. And even outside of that, just I'm judged for everything. Like, I feel like I can't have nice things or I don't talk about vacations publicly because people will be like, Mm. how are you in Greece right now and asking me for money? It's like, well, my husband works and I don't use cool money to go, you know, but it's still like I get it. It's that perception. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I wanted to be free to do and talk how I want. And James, my husband was like, you should sell something. And I was like, I know. And he goes, what if you worked with green bean farmers? You would have nothing like you can't sustain an organization on selling just green beans. Like you work with coffee second most traded commodity in the world and i was like yeah but i i pushed back on it for a long time because i it felt like a new thing i had to learn because i don't know the for-profit side i don't know that business side i know the fundraising charity side that wasn't working anymore and so it's you know do we quit or do we decide not to quit and do we adapt and i think i think a lot of charities will especially smaller ones that don't have the endowments for them um will start to look at earned revenue streams but we have been able to do a lot of work on not a lot of money and so we can by buying this washing station that we were talking about earlier and there's there's coffee trees there that you've planted yeah there are three thousand coffee trees there so we can have a model farm to use it as a training tool but also to harvest harvest our own coffee um and test out new coffees and higher price or coffees that could fetch a higher price but we can fund half of our work on a modest projection and after two years wow And, and that's just one location and that's just one location and that's not including any sells in the states that's selling direct to roasters which oh, so that's just taking the green beans that's taking the green and never seeing them mm. that's exporting them from mombasa and we don't touch it anymore and so and obviously your margins on fully pre-packed bags of coffee are like 
or eleven dollars compared to like thirty cents. Um, yeah. But you know, green is in bulk, and you ship out a hundred thousand pounds at a time. But in our ability to have strategic partnerships with organization or companies, and corporate gifts and Christmas gifts and all that kind of stuff, and being able to sustain ourselves and pay our staff well and offer health insurance and eventually I would love to eventually just be a for-profit company that has amazing like employee incentives but in Rwanda for our fellows and I and I think we can show that you can earn like and in my mind it's like it's not it shouldn't be crazy it should be the way employees are treated yeah a lot of really great what we when we were designing our fellowship we looked at some of the best companies in the world and how they treat their staff and what like employee happiness is like and employee retention. And there are a lot of common threads in there. Like that's mentorship. That was one of the biggest things. And all of our fellows have a mentor the entire time they're with us and just simple things like, and to be able to show other coffee companies, Hey, if you take this little money and invest it in the people who are growing your coffee, look what happens to your quality, to your ability to market that story and your overall production because you'll just our training increases quantity by 60 percent with the same trees they already have like not even planting new ones just knowing the right way to prune it more than doubles their yield wow and so that more than doubles their income without us doing anything else and so being able to show companies look what when if you just take a little bit of investment 400 dollars per farmer for 15 months look what can happen yeah yeah interesting so Gosh, when you get when you get to a hundred percent sustainability, maybe that's maybe I'm that's a your sabbatical. Yes, <laughs> yes, and I'm coming with you. Um, that, yeah, you know what? That is going to be my that that's your version of the National realized. Geographic. Yep, spread. Is. Yeah, that's your pinnacle. That's my pinnacle. That's a great pinnacle. That's. that's I, I just love how well thought out you all are. You just don't miss a beat, and it makes so much practical sense. Yeah. Well, I think it's because we've missed a lot of beats, but we've learned from every and that's okay. single one of them. Yeah. yeah. We we don't shy away from our failures because I when I first started, I read a book. Um, I, don't wanna, I don't know how much to name drop here. Let's hear it. <laughs> but um, like Pencils of Promise, you know? Yeah, yeah. Adam. Yeah. Yeah. And he talks about how he started with a $25 check. And I was like, a twenty five dollar. That's check. because that's what you use to open the bank account. Yeah. So you can save. And I don't know that. We but know I, who your brother is, bro. Right. Like Justin Bieber was at your first ever fundraiser. Yeah. <laughs> and you came from Bain. You know, like not the same as I sold really crappy T shirts to be able to afford our IRS filing fee because I, you know, I bartended <laughs> for the first two and a half years of cola, and it's like. You know, it's so it's a different it, hustle. Yeah. So, I, but I feel like talking about our failures helps people like me who aren't starting leagues ahead of other people know that you're fine. Like you can keep going. You're gonna fail. You're gonna and fall you on your face. And you don't need Justin Bieber at your first. You don't thing. need Justin Bieber at your first thing. Yeah. Although it might help. <laughs> it might help. Although no, I don't know what his yeah, like, I don't know. Depending social on, perception like, is these days. I haven't caught up with yeah. that. He left what, Pencil what Promise chapter of he, life started, is he, in? he started a uh, school that was an alternative to college that oh, they would take yeah. a percentage of your fee and it sold to WeWork, WeWork. which is not doing too hot right now. Mm. Except for the founder. Yeah, he got $1.7 billion. Uh, to, to quit. Get kicked, to billion quit. with a B, right? B with a billion. Uh, <laughs> unfortunate. Mm. Yeah. Not. Okay, so much so for raising the consciousness okay. of society. 
He should raise his own conscious before he <laughs> raises the world's conscious. Sorry, I have I have a gr- action to grab with him. Would you like to? Do you want to talk through that? Yeah. Do you want to like have a little? Rant we can have our own session? little fifteen-minute episode on on WeWork and the demise of it and okay. how just re- oh, it's so gross. But well, back to your my board chair had an amazing sentence with that. Yeah. Because like, our statement is we believe. Charity will not eradicate poverty. Business will. And then he looked at me. He goes, "So you're creating a business?" And I was like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's yeah." We just opened a coffee shop in Atlanta. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Tell us. Crazy. Tell, tell us, us everything more. about this coffee shop and when we can come visit. And can we sell you merch? Sorry, just kidding. No, we already. <laughs> don't worry. We're already working on. She's it. She's like, PO's already been placed. I um. <laughs> well, with the company they have, so this incredible woman named Karen, who I've known for a long time, used to work in Rwanda. And she left, and she's now the vice president of Atlanta Tech Village, which is a startup hub for tech companies in Atlanta. And it's very straightforward. <laughs> and um, they had a coffee company in the base, or their um, base level, and they were ready to move on from the relationship. And she called in March, and she was like, do you want to have a cooler coffee shop? And I was like, what? And she was like, we, and she explained everything. And I was like, we are not in any place to renovate a coffee shop and order straws and napkins and deal with all the things that comes with running food and beverage. She was like, no, we would license the brand and buy only Kula Coffee. We would run it. We would staff it. We'll renovate it. But you can pick everything out. So I got to pick out leather samples and tile and... You got the fun without the headache. Yeah, you did. (laughs) never... And we were ordering... um, and I think, do you guys, is y'all's mini board George and Willie? Yeah. Yeah. So our, our, we, our signs and sandwich boards and menu is them too. I just saw it in so the good. flagship. And the sandwich boards were kind of, well, in my mind, nonprofit mind was expensive. They're like 300 bucks each. <laughs> and I'm on the phone there and we're ordering and she was like, let's get a couple extra just in case. And I was like, oh my God, for profit life is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we would be like, do we need to? I yeah. think we can do just one and just put different things on the back. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know? Just a little flavor for you. Yeah. And so we got to train. So it's called Cool Coffee Company, which is nuts. And it opens on Monday. 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 Monday, Big October day. 28th. Yeah, so this week we were training the staff on Kulab and but my big thing was I wanted it to be a beautiful coffee shop with excellent coffee that does good. I don't want people to feel like it's a charity shop that Preach. they're going to be like asked for money when they take Do you also want to donate a dollar to and it's like, ugh, please don't or do that. Or sell horrible product. Or sell horrible product. Ugh, I feel like the last like you, <laughs> like well, you know 2012 you started tw- 2012, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? God, from like 2009 to about, mm, I mean, there's still some now, but they've kind of all gone away since 2015. There were so many quote unquote social enterprises, buy one, give one, whatever, Ugh. that sold the worst stuff. The worst. Going to a great cause, but just awful product. No, we we were very, even our coffee bags, it's this work funds the people who grew it. it. Like we have a short video about our coffee and the first line is, our coffee is not about a give back. It's about people like Agnes earning what she should for the coffee that she grows. You know, it's like, and that's how I That's how I also know that we need to go towards 100% sustainability because I'm so sick of this. It's like, buy this shirt and you rescue a woman from sex trafficking. And it's like, no, it doesn't. Right, <laughs> you know, and it's just save yourself the T-shirt and just donate. To yeah, the right. But then, it, and it, and I feel like it dumps things down so much, and then it, I feel it's like undignified in a way. 
I don't want our ladies to think that they're worth just a bag of coffee. And I know that's not how it is, but I'm very, yeah. I'm really sensitive to it. And so totally. it comes off that way. And I just, we want it to be great coffee because people will buy it again. They'll buy it once if it's like charity stand outside of a church, yeah. you know, but they'll keep buying it. And then they'll tell the story. They're like, this is awesome coffee. But also look at the ladies who grew it. They do awesome stuff. But totally. at the end of the day, the coffee stands for itself. And that's what you wanted the shop to be. And that's what you want the coffee to be. Tell us like the neighborhood or e- even the address. So Yeah, that- it's in Buckhead. It's um, it's in Atlanta Tech Village. And so it's right in the corner of Piedmont and Lenox. I want to come yeah. see it. Everybody get out there. Go yeah. check it out. It's so beautiful. And we have so excited everything in there is intentional. The aprons are made by local, like a local artist. And there's cool stuff in there from Atlanta, but not... Like we were joking, they're like, do you want to sell a product? And I just think like paper beads, you know, like yeah, charity yeah, paper yeah. beads. And they're like, no, but we're going to sell. They, um, after we did our mirror mugs, they got mirror mugs for their, um, like the huge event they did. And they had a really awesome design to do an Atlanta thing. And oh, so, but they owned the Atlanta. So we took it and then put under it, cool coffee company. And we're going to get new mugs made. Oh, oh nice. awesome. Well, tumblers. Yeah. Yeah. And you're roasting okay. in Brooklyn, is that right? No, we were. You were. And then we wanted it to be, um, we are about 45 minutes away from not having coffee for our coffee launch last year. <laughs> 45 minutes? Yeah. And they were, because of course our coffee was late coming in, and then it was Thanksgiving week, so they weren't working, and it was just such a mess. And I was like, you're just going to have to overnight it to me. And he was like, I don't think that's cost effective. And I was like, he goes, it's four dollar it would end up have been it would end up being like twelve thousand dollars to overnight 500 bags of coffee and i was like i could fly to new york and pick it up myself which is what i was going to do like i had a ticket booked and everything and then we ended up you're just a crazy lady with like eight eight empty suitcases i'm always the crazy lady with eight empty suitcases somehow like even here i have multiple suitcases because i'm always bringing things places yeah but um we ended up I have we have an incredible friend Wade who has Prevail Coffee in Montgomery, and it's in downtown Montgomery in this old building that has like when you walk in, it has a thing of like coloreds and whites, and it's so there's so much history. Right outside is the um, bus stop where Rosa Parks got on the bus, and so there's a lot of awesome history there. And he has been incredible to us. I would, I he answers my texts at all <laughs> times of the day because i i'm learning the coffee industry and that's one of the reasons i was reluctant to do it because it was this whole new because i know everything about the farm side but the state side has absolutely nothing to do with the farm side yeah it's wild yeah so he's roasting so he roasts for us and Very he cool. warehouses for us and he, he he ships puts up with me mm-hmm. nice yeah so that's awesome i know isn't it amazing how many partners it requires along the way? Kind of no matter what, how your company's set up, just we all, to some degree, have to rely on one another. Totally. Yeah, nobody does it on their own. Mm-hmm. Anyone that says they are is lying. selling something or lying. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the nonprofit They're space isn't that much you. different from the for-product space. You just, <laughs> instead know. of asking donors, you're just asking customers. Right. But at least they get something in return. That's true. I mean, a nonprofit, you get just good feel, good vibes, good feelings. Ish. Ish. And it doesn't last for that long. And it's like 
we have so many problems here. Why don't you work here? I had a lady once tell me that I should start a homeless shelter in Roswell, which is one of the richest counties in the country. I was like, one, I've never seen a homeless person here. And two, you do that. That's yeah. not what I'm doing. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm working with coffee growers in Rwanda. You cannot grow coffee in the continental U.S. If you want to fund a nonprofit in Hawaii, sure. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I will. Yeah. I will be the one. Yeah. What do you, what do you, I'll say, buy to, your shirt. What do you say to people who are skeptical <laughs> of like, oh, you're a white person in Africa just trying to help poor black people? Yeah. Or do you get that? Maybe you don't. Yeah, you I do. do. Um, or I also get a lot of the, if we're not missionaries, we shouldn't be there, which mm, is like. Interesting. Which is the one that really gets me because it's like so. You're like, logically, if we wanted to convert somebody, we would want to do it purely, not with little trinkets at the end. To... Right. Mm. Also, I can teach them absolutely nothing about faith. They make my faith feel so small. Like, they are what, when I'm there, I learn more than any church that I've ever been to, any stupid leadership conference I've ever been to about what it's like to truly depend on God for everything. And that's like, they... And love your neighbor. And love your neighbor, your neighbor and love other people's children like your own and treat people with respect. And never they never meet a stranger. I remember the first time I was on a public bus, I asked one of our team that was with me, I was like, do they all know each other? And he was like, no and i was like oh my gosh in america and me too i'm like put my headphones in please don't talk to me <laughs> you know? oh, yeah but they're i mean outside out but they just their faith is so strong and they've overcome so much and how forgiveness has shaped that country is we can't we have nothing i mean we can learn so much yeah from how they've moved forward with such grace and redemption and forgiveness and so I try to tell that story. I get a lot of the, um, they're so corrupt, your money is just wasted. And then I explain to them that Rwanda is in the top 10 least corrupt countries in the world. America is like not even anywhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you think they're corrupt. And then I go into the stat or a lot of people think that it's like, oh my God, are you safe? Like, aren't they like killing each other? So that was a hundred days, 25 years ago. Wow, people uh, still think that's still, like that's now. the only thing they know about Rwanda. And so that's what we're always, that's the first thing I say, especially when I'm talking to older people. The first thing I say is Rwanda is the ninth safest country to be in, um, one of the fastest growing nations on earth, least corrupt. It's like the seventh, I can't, don't quote me in that top 10, easiest places to start a business. They have an entire building um, called the Rwanda Development Board where people go to start businesses. And even the government has social enterprises. Like That's they amazing. have apartment complexes that fund healthcare. Wow. It's crazy. And there's so many things that you're like, That's a great idea. <laughs> we should we should implement that here. They also like do that. a great job of protecting their lands and yeah. preserving the wildlife that's there. Right. And so Akagera is the single greatest um, conservation story on the continent. Um, the silverback population in northern Rwanda is growing. It's the only place in the world that it's growing. They're not, they're not growing that. There aren't gorillas a lot of places in the world, but it's growing in Rwanda. Yeah. And the um, safari, they have the big five now, and the wildlife is dub or is grown by sixty percent in the last ten years. So that will only exponentially mm. 
grow and they protect their land and they involve the communities bordering the park to get them on their side. And what a do you know what the big five are? You know the big five. Hippos. No? Mm-mm. Giraffes, elephants, lions. That's three. I don't think it's. Oh, man. It's no, not I giraffe. can't. It's a giraffe isn't part of the big five? Oh, see, now I'm doubting myself. Yeah. Lion, leopard. Yeah, leopard's in there. Rhino. Oh, Cape Buffalo and giraffe. You're right. Giraffe's um. Part. Okay, side note when we were on safari uh, at Ekagera, mm-hmm. there was a, a moment where we stopped near an incredibly large herd of elephants it was just the most amazing thing you've ever seen especially for someone like me who's never been on safari you've done it what five or six times um, but you'd never you'd only seen like one elephant in Akagera I'd only seen I would seen one out the same elephant twice but he actually died last year it was so sad but so to see that many yeah, because when you take people on their first safari, there is an intense pressure. You're like, come <laughs> yeah. on, animals! Yeah, because like, you because we want to see everything, <laughs> and people have like this like Lion King image in their mind. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh, God, yeah, please just show us some elephants. Yeah, and please then let it come true. Fir- I know. I was like, okay, I'm good now for the rest of the time. So it was so incredible. These two males were kind of they were kind of um, positioning for a minute there. It looked like maybe they were gonna like. I don't know if fight is the right word, but like there was a little rumble and, you know, there were female giraffes around there or um, elephants. This is this is what I'm getting to baby elephants. And I'm filming with my iPhone. I'm just trying to film little snippets that maybe we can use later, maybe not. And so I, I hit record and I'm like trying to tell, you know, the quote unquote audience like what's happening. And I'm like, we have come upon so many giraffes. <laughs> <laughs> I like couldn't even name the right animal and everybody in the truck is like elephants. elephants. I'm like, oh my gosh, I I can't even get it right. Like this is we've seen so many amazing animals. I can't even speak their names anymore. We did see a lot of giraffe too. We did. But so yeah, many. and then we got a flat tire on Safari. That was a moment of panic for some of us, but not for Sarah. But it she was knew. a really good Yeah, I wasn't worried because it always happens. Yeah. But it was a good, this is likely how a lot of the trip will be. So I'm glad you're experiencing it on day one. Yeah, we were in the car for a fair bit. But we got to see most of the country. It's not that big, but it takes a while to get places. So it's about the same size as New Jersey. Yeah. Whoa. But it takes like 15 hours to get across the country. Yeah. Land of a thousand hills. Land of a thousand hills. Um, Do you have any more questions before we do the ask me anything? I don't. I mean, I do, but let's head into your, your you, section you fa- of the podcast. Are you familiar with how we usually close out mm-hmm. our podcasts? Okay. So you've probably, I know you, you've like, st- you like know what you're going to say. <laughs> um, so one African proverb actually that we um, not talk about it mirror, but that we kind of reference is the idea that... Um, if you want to go far, go alone. If you want to go, if sorry, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you mm-hmm. want to go far, go together. Mm-hmm. So in your experience, is it easier to go alone or together? Can I say both? <laughs> you can say whatever you, <laughs> you want. Whatever you I'm want. kidding. Mo- Great I mean, answer. Most of Typical the time, three. it's together, of course. Sometimes you're like, actually, I don't want your opinion. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> well, and for you, it's interesting because in a sense, you are alone, alone, quote unquote, in Atlanta with your director of impact. Yeah. 
But then, of course, you're not because you have a team. Yeah. I mean, like I was saying earlier, our work would be nothing without our London staff. But then some things, like especially creative marketing stuff, we used to get a lot of opinions. And then you're like, I don't want your opinion because everybody has a different one. And no, you're not going to be able to please everybody in the same way. And then you're going to end up with something that you weren't even starting with and not in a good way. So sometimes I think one of the things about being a leader is knowing when to go alone and when to go together. Yeah. Making that distinction. Yeah. Leave yeah. your husband behind, behind like and that. run your nonprofit. <laughs> we just actually had a big long email thread yesterday about colors around a particular campaign. And, and just like you said, there was a, a different, every response, different yeah. Too many opinion. Cooks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is one belief you hold that will never change? Mm. Fighting for people is always worth it. Mm. That is some truth right there. Um, this is a fill in the blank. Don't sacrifice blank for blank. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to think. I would say don't sacrifice what's right for what's easy yeah in my space I see it a lot and people going back to that dignity piece then that's where that's lost yeah what is one piece of knowledge you want to impart on the next generation that that fighting for people is that worth fighting it. for people is worth it, and building things is hard. And yeah. and don't quit when it gets hard because you'll never get anywhere. Yeah, you echo that. Oh, thousand percent. I. Why are I, all the good things so hard? I don't. Well, and then social like. And the hard the things. The media are good. and social media, mm -hmm. whether it's how people consume or what sells. I mean, because the really the media is just what they're trying to they're trying to make money. Right. Like people forget that they're not mm -hmm. actually objectively reporting on the news in my opinion they're yeah. just trying to sell yeah. ads because mm -hmm. that's how they're funded you know so if you look at their funding model they're trying to sell anyway it's not that easy like everyone's like oh i can be a, i can start a billion dollar company overnight right. yeah and i just i know it's funny how mirror i mean when did mirror start gaining traction in your mind uh, i mean it was years tomorrow. in it was probably like <laughs> it was probably Such like five we're years still, in we're still trying to get you. Well, no, it, no, no, it yeah. got to a point where you did. You got more comments about that. Like, man. Like, oh, like a two years ago. People were like, oh, you guys just blew up overnight. Yeah. Like eight years to make it. Right. Yeah. That's in that kind of happened with the cafe. They're like, so they just handed you a cafe, basically. And I was like, no. It like it's like that it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Yeah, totally thing. It's like this cafe is an extraordinary story for us. And Tech Village and Karen have been in incredible i can't even believe when she was telling me about it i was like i need you to write it down because i cannot comprehend yeah. what you're saying <laughs> it sounds too good to be you're true. like my feelings are taking over <laughs> I know. And, and my experience is always too good to be true if it feels that way yeah, yeah. yeah and but this actually and but i didn't even tell people because i'm so used to people not doing what they say they're going to do that i wait till it happens to actually go through with it and my brother I was like, well, I can't come up that weekend. I have the cafe open. And they were like, the what? And I was like, oh, my God, did I not tell you? <laughs> the what? It's like, cool, it's having a, getting a coffee shop. They were like, when? I was like, two weeks. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm so sorry. Please know I love you, and I want you Oops. to be a part of this. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like 
people will commit to you they don't follow through because in the moment it sounds easy and and then i i do feel like this generation will struggle with not quitting yeah yeah let's see uh so john muir Mm -hmm. our company name is a tip of the cap to to him and what he's done for our national park system um and he is famous for penning the quote the mountains are calling and i must go so for you fill in the blank is calling and I must go. Safari. That's the place I feel close. Like that is my church. And I'm so lucky to get to say that and get to get to do a lot. But you just see the intentionality behind creation and how things worked so much better before we got involved. Totally. <laughs> and but then also like people are worth fighting for, so is our environment, so are the yeah. lands and the animals. And how they all work together is just like when you learn certain things and you think like when I like elephants bury their family that dies and they return, they'll return decades later to visit the gravesite. Yeah. Yeah. You knew you had so many facts about. Yeah. I know. It's so annoying. I'm so sorry. No, it was it was crucial, actually, because we didn't have a, a guide with yeah. us. So, yeah. So I have so really many safari fun facts, but it's crazy when you learn or like water bucks like females carry a certain poison in them that if they're eaten then the animal that's eating them will die and animals know that so they aren't hunted by other animals it's just crazy like all of the or there's like a bird that has it's a tiny bird but a nest the size of this table and they pass it down so the next generation of that bird family will inherit the nest and so you'll have these nests that are so old and they've had so many families live in them it's crazy yeah we also learned about another kind of bird that this is actually really funny do you remember this it was the boat the sunset cruise and there's a bird um the the male makes the nest for the female and like you know the i guess the future like family and the female can go in and be like i don't like it redo it start over (laughs) then he does like how they court it's i don't amazing. like this neighborhood bro <laughs> yeah. try the over. next tree down <laughs> um yeah no i remember i think i said it out loud on safari i'm like man this is so wild that truly that this place does not need human it doesn't Mm-mm. need any aspect of human interaction mm-hmm. intervention to thrive yeah but now it has to be protected which yeah sucks but it's the place you feel so small and yeah. So just lucky and yeah. grateful to be able to witness these incredible animals that. Yeah. I wish you could have been there, Brian. We did a sunrise cruise or not cruise, but safari drive. And we stopped on the plains and made porigami, made coffee yeah. with the porigami. And Sarah pulled out her camera and we did a little photo shoot. And there's like animals grazing in the distance and the sun's coming up. It was so I mean, it's cool. silly. It's like sundowners I was like when you drive out to the middle of the Masai Mara to watch the sunset while there are zebras just milling around and you're drinking wine or G&T's yeah <gasps> we didn't have G&T's but we so. had coffee let's go back let's have G&T's um let's see last question so at Mir we talk a lot about empowering people mm-hmm. we even named our podcast after the idea of being empowerful and to me empowerful it's a made-up word but it's sort of like a mindset that one takes on when they've been empowered by another person. Mm -hmm. So like once you've kind of 
received the gift of empowerment, then you're filled up with that and you're able to turn and look around and, and extend that empowerment to others. Um, so to flip that back on you, how would you sum up what empowerful means to you or what empowerment looks like at Kula? I think the empowerful part to me, when I think about that, I think about like the more result of it like look what happens and then you just think this awe that you can stand in when you watch somebody reach their potential because they've been empowered with what they should have had in the beginning and then if you get to be a part of creating that for them and then get to watch what they go off and do without you not because of you but because they are now operating at their full potential something they've always had within them they just needed to help find it or to be able to reach it and then you get to see it later it's it's an incredibly humbling thing to get to ex- we get to experience maybe more than a lot of people but that it goes back to it's always worth it and I'll, I'll end on that that's so amazing <laughs> no and cut that was and like scene. that was perfect no, no. yeah awesome it's a beautiful thing you, you're doing it's really inspiring they're super inspiring what's, what's like our sign off or yeah well, where can people find you you know people who are listening want to go i want to buy some of their coffee yep coolerproject.org if you, you want to buy coffee you are, you, cool... are you gonna buy coolerproject.com come over to the oh that's what i world. wanted to talk to you about because i they i was telling her i it's available the, or no, it's not available, but the guy's not using it and I cannot reach him. Mm. And, I, oh, and yeah. she goes, oh, I bet Brian can figure out That's how to reach right. him. That's right. I want people that I can. Tonight. Because I want Kula. Because <laughs> we're like, trying to drop project. We don't say project. Our logo doesn't have project in it. it sounds like too charity to me. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to drop it. Mm. Just have Kula.com and .org and I can't. Yeah, but for now, KulaProject.org for coffee. KulaProject.org. And you, so, tell me where your coffee scoops come from. Rhonda. Are they, they're are they, yeah, okay. Wanda. I yeah. assumed so, but, um, it had they're never awesome. come up and they're beautiful. They're beautiful. Yeah, you sent us one yep. or two. And if you buy 10 bags this holiday season, you get a free scoop with each bag. Bonus. Hey. So yep. good. So coolerproject.org, at coolerproject on Instagram. If you want to buy coffee, coolerproject.org slash coffee. Right on. Straight On the grams. On the grams, at awesome. coolerproject. Where are We're you? There. Are you on the grams? Yep. Sarah B. Sasson with an H. S A S S O N. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us in the conversation. Uh, thank you so much. Me. Yeah. More fun to come. More fun. All right. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode.